yes, we are evolving into the next program of Law and Gospel, Thursday, February the 14th in the year of our Lord, 2019. And with us is our good friend who has evolved into a radio speaker, Wes Reimnitz. <laughs> oh, good morning, Tom. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Don't you believe that you have evolved into a better speaker than when you first came on? Well, of course. Yes, yeah. I have also. So we use the word evolved or kind of an evolution in a way that I don't think the secular people understand. Yeah, I would definitely say so after reading those articles. Yes, you sent me a survey by the Pew Foundation and some other articles. What is the biggest thing that stuck out for you? Uh, I no longer trust Pew Research like I used to. And you know why? Because I can do a survey and just about get any result I want by the questions that I give. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I selected it and was hoping you'd want to talk about it is you you can make any any survey come out the way you want if you design the questions with a particular response in mind. Yes. Uh, for example, which statement comes closer to your own views, even if neither is exactly right? Humans have evolved over time, or humans have existed in their present form since the beginning of time? <laughs> now, which one would a Christian who is also a scientist decide? Well, humans that have existed in their present form since the beginning of time. You know, I would take the other one. Really? Yes, humans have evolved over time. Well, let me ask you this simple question. Were Adam and Eve... Were they um, Japanese? Were they Chinese? <laughs> were they uh, Arabian? Which ones were they? Uh, we have no idea. Idea. There were no Chinese people at that time. There were no Japanese. Humans have evolved over time, just like dogs have evolved over time. Do you think that every breed of dog was on the ark? Noah's Ark? There was only two of them. That's right. Only two of them. And from that, all the rest of the dogs evolved. So, obviously, I would choose humans have evolved over time. There, there is a very interesting distinction that this Pew, uh, Pew survey totally forgot and it's one which I used, well, it wasn't really me. I was trying to convince an individual to join our congregation, but he was an evolutionist and were, of course, creationists. And I talked with him a number of times, and I wasn't able to convince him. So I finally used one of the members of my congregation, Dr. John Klotz, who was a professor at the seminary and really understood creation versus evolution, etc. And he was able to persuade him to join our church by making... Do, do you, did I ever tell you what distinction he made? 
No. The distinction between microevolution and macroevolution. What's the difference? Microevolution, the professor uh, who was trying to join the church uh, dealt with all kinds of biological viruses and such, and he saw them evolving. Mm. For example, the flu shot, there can become whatever gives you the flu that becomes resistant to the present flu shot. So next year, they're going to have to have different ingredients. In fact, the pneumonia, have you ever had a pneumonia shot? Oh, yeah. I had one some years ago, and my doctor was telling me that that had all the worst conditions of pneumonia was in that shot to keep you from getting it because a lot of people would die from the worst conditions. Mm -hmm. But over time, they found that the worst conditions weren't occurring as much as they imagined and just regular pneumonia conditions. So the new pneumonia shot, and you need to take, I think, two of them, takes care of not the worst conditions, but the normal conditions of pneumonia so people won't get that. So there's an example of something that evolved. We believe in microevolution. We don't believe in macroevolution that, for example, a human being comes from a monkey. Mm. That's macro. It's between species. And God's very clear when he created the world in six 24-hour days that... Each species was in their own category. So really, when we're looking at these questions, they were they were in macro evolutionists. Yes, yes, uh, a lot of them. Mm. Uh, for example, the next one's the same. You have three choices. Humans have evolved over time due to processes such as natural selection. That's Darwinism. God or a higher power had no role in this process. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of Christians disagree with that. The next one is humans have evolved over time due to processes that were guided or allowed by God or a higher power. And the last one is humans have existed in their present form since the beginning of time. Well, I disagree with the third one, and I just gave you examples. examples. Just change humans into dogs. Dogs have existed in their present form since... The, no! But dogs have evolved over time due to processes that were guided or allowed by God. That's well, what I, we believe. I looked at it from, from the book of Genesis. You, 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 what are you, you bringing don't... the Bible in on this for? <laughs> Yes. I, I, well, they're talking about the Christian being creationist, things of that nature. Yes. But you, you see an evolving of the state of man in Genesis, because uh, in, what is it, Genesis 5, where it talks about the the uh, begetting of ages there, of Adam and Seth. And right. They're 900 years uh, old on on average yeah and, and by the time you get to abraham they're down to 175 years of age yes so there you there you see a i call it a de-evolution so yes going on 
Well, they have a, a number of things. In 2009, 6 in 10 Americans said they believe humans evolved over time. Hmm. Um, 6 in 10. But see, I'm in that category. Okay. S due to microevolution. But they don't say that. No, no, they don't make that distinction at all. It's just a ridiculous survey because the way they form their questions, they're going to get the answers that they hope to get. And doesn't it come back? I mean, again, as a Christian, you look at Genesis, and when God created everything, He said it was good. Yes. So it's not a, a an evolutionary process of several million years to get to the state where we're at. Now, the the particular one by Nadia Whitehead that you sent me, and this was mm -hmm. February the twelfth, twenty nineteen. She says uh, only four percent of white evangelical Protestants and six percent. A black Protestant said that natural selection is real, but God had no role. So that's really, really low, and that's really good. But look at the next paragraph. But mm -hmm. when asked the same question differently, the results varied. When forced to choose between evolution or creationism, 66% of white evangelical Protestants select the creationist stance, and 59% of black Protestants chose creationism too. So that's a majority. Right. And this is, of course, among Christians, not among just Americans. But the fact of the matter is, if you ask the question differently... For example, I would ask it this way. Was every nationality of human beings that we are aware of today, did they all exist on the sixth day of creation? And the well, answer is it, no. Well, I would say it was in their blood. In well, the yes, it was in their DNA and such, but they were not. I mean, Adam didn't look at Eve. And say, how come you have a different color skin than I have? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, no. Th this missing out on the distinction between microevolution and macroevolution. We do not believe that all of a sudden God changed a monkey into a human being. And yet that's what my professors told us at the seminary, uh, the ones that had to leave the Missouri Synod because of false teaching. One of them said, and this is written out when he was asked the question, God chose two monkeys and called one Adam and one Eve. It, it mitigates against what the Bible has, to t has taught in Genesis 1 and 2. Exactly. So when I teach creationism in the confirmation class, I, I make this big point between microevolution and macro. They have yet, even in the laboratory, to be able to do a macroevolution, like taking a fish and changing it into a reptile or vice versa or however they think it happened. In other words, really, from a point point of view of scientists, they 
they're proving that evolution didn't happen. Yes, in in the sense that they are talking about it because they've got no evidence of it at all. And, and the other thing, you know, you hear the Earth is millions or billions of years old, which is really quite ridiculous. Because what are they doing? They're taking a look at what's in the ground. And let's say you find diamonds. They assume that diamonds were occurring naturally. You know, a diamond comes from a fallen tree that becomes fossilized, and then over much pressure, it becomes a diamond from a piece of coal. That's where mm. trees, you know, end up as but diamonds. It, well, but it, we don't believe it, that. Right, it existed at creation. Exactly, or they'll take a look. I, I was just listening uh, to how many stars? I can't believe this. They say in our solar system there are two billion stars. I, I don't know if the news was joking about that or not, but, but um, so the light of some of these stars would take a million years to reach the Earth at 186,000 miles per second, and that's how they get these big ages, forgetting. That if you read Genesis, God made the stars on the fourth day, and Adam and Eve were able to see the light when they were created on the sixth day. So really it was a snapshot in time, and that was when time was created. Yes, evolution assumes that things occurred naturally the way it does today. I was listening to the creation, and I heard something I hadn't heard before, that a lot of the mountains that are existing came about due to the worldwide flood. Mm. And I had never heard that before. I want to look into that. But that's kind of interesting. That it was created at the time of the flood? Some of the mountains, yes. Yeah, that was... Uh... If you read Ray Winkle's book called The Flood, he talks a little bit about that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Ray Winkle, a former uh, professor at the seminary uh, who wrote a lot on creation and evolution. His uh, book on flood was the background for many of the other Christian books that came out concerning the flood and the beginning of time. Well, a proper scientist can look at the world today and there are certain elements that emit, I don't know if it's called radiation or gas or whatever, that goes up into the atmosphere. And they've examined how much is in the atmosphere, and it only accounts for fifteen to 20,000 years, not mm. millions of years. So science is on our side in the same way that it is on the side against abortion. What pregnant woman does not believe that within her womb is a human being, a person. There's nobody who doesn't nobody. believe that. That I would definitely agree with. And so evolution, I, I was really surprised by the survey that the majority of Christians don't believe in macroevolution. Right, but, you know, the the thing that drew me my attention to is just the way they try to ask questions and slip in macroevolution into their questioning. Yes. Yeah, in fact, here's what it says. 
Um, perhaps we've been posing the evolution question all wrong. When given the opportunity to say that God played a role in evolution, many Christians will reject the classic creationist viewpoint. Now, what's the classical creationist viewpoint? God created the world. That's right. That's how God played a role in what we would call microevolution. And and see, that's why this survey, whoever took the survey does not understand science from a Christian point of view, which is real science, because we check out things by observing them, testing them, etc. And I have yet to hear uh, an opportunity in the laboratory where they've gone between species. You know, the other thing that I, I was wondering about, does um, historical faith and saving faith come into play here that really these Pew researchers are working from a historical faith of a basis? Yes. Uh, and in fact, there was a, uh, a question uh, about that. And once more, it was wrong. Um, they were asking that, um, let's see, where was that here? Something about God, wasn't it? Yes. Um, that did God participate in the creation? Or, yes. Yes. Well, the answer to that is, of course he did. <laughs> and he also participated, therefore, in what's called microevolution. I mean, all the fruit that we have on earth today was not in the Garden of Eden. Uh, and in fact, today is, is really quite amazing what uh, um, scientists are able to do. They can take corn and somehow do something with the kernels where it becomes impervious to certain bacteria or to certain animals that eat the corn and this sort of thing. And there's all kinds of discussion about this where even with animals, you can get them to be uh, fatter uh, with more meat, this sort of thing. That That's a possibility as called microevolution. Evolution. Or you go to the store and you go to the fruit section, you can get five to ten different varieties of apple. Yes, yeah, as though all of them were evident. It's just really amazing. In fact, I heard something that they were like, I couldn't believe this, over a thousand different kinds of mushrooms. Mm. And I've always tried to figure out how did they figure out which ones were poisonous and which ones weren't? Right. But when it comes back to our DNA and the various races, wouldn't we say for us as Christians, a lot of that happened at the Tower of Babel when we split up with the different languages? There's another good example of language. Where, what, what language was Adam, were, were Adam and Eve speaking? English. Oh, yes, obviously. <laughs> I heard a joke about that, and the guy was saying, well, I speak English because that's the language that Jesus spoke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you really pressed him, he'd still get it wrong. What do most people think that Jesus spoke? Aram well, Aramaic. No, no, what? they think he spoke Hebrew. 
Hebrew. Well, that was the language of that day. And he spoke uh, Aramaic. Now, he knew Hebrew. There's no doubt about it. But most Christians think, well, if he was Jewish, he'd be speaking Hebrew. I mean, you go to a synagogue today, all you hear is Hebrew. Hmm. And so, and remember on the cross, there were three translations that this is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Right. It was in Hebrew. Hebrew. It was Latin. in what? Latin. Yes, Latin. And I believe the third one was Aramaic. Aramaic, yeah. Yeah. So, and then what did the disciples write all their books in? Greek. Yes. <laughs> Now, none of that was occurring at the time in the Garden of Eden. Whatever language they spoke was not a variety of languages. They didn't come about to the Tower of Babel. And so you can ask this question, did God have a part in the creation or the evolution of certain languages? Languages. And the answer is, well, yes. Read the Tower of Babel. So, you know what I call it? Go ahead. You know what I call the, you know, the Grand Canyon? Why? A big gu- gully washer. Oh, really? From the floods. Yeah, yeah. Well, they find fish fossils in the middle of the desert in some areas. Now, how did that occur if there wasn't a flood? Flood, yeah. So, the the Pew researchers really ought to talk to proper scientists who are Christian so they can answer questions. You know, that would be a good thing for us to do is uh, do a pew or a, a survey. And we, we need a certain kind of um, uh, conclusion. Let's say the conclusion we want is nobody hardly ever listens to KFUO. <laughs> and so the first question would be, at 2 a.m. when you wake up from sleep, do you turn on KFUO? And the answer would be no, because we're off the air. There, right. <laughs> you know, for, and by the end of it, we therefore have come to the conclusion that nobody listens to KFUO. And it would be because of the questions are geared in such a way that whenever anybody answers it, they're going to say no. And the other thing that's missing from the survey is the, there's a certain amount of built-in redundancy to make sure that the answers, uh, you know, are independent of each other and that that's non-existent there. Yes, exactly. If I, I could have a survey uh, with questions about the evidence that there is a God and end up with saying, well, we have found that there is no evidence at all that a God exists. Or you could write them in such a way that you'd get a 90% agreement that there is a God. Yes. Well, you get 100% agreement because uh, you could ask an atheist a question in such a way that, uh, is it possible you could say that there could be a God that we're unaware of? Right. And he'd say, yeah, it's possible. And then you say, see, 100% of people have said there's a possibility that God exists or he does exist. So it really comes down to how we teach in our Sunday schools Absolutely. and our churches. 
Yeah, what we need to do is really emphasize this distinction between microevolution and macroevolution so Christians don't fall into the trap when somebody says, do you believe in evolution? And they say, no, I don't. Well, the problem is, yes, you do. Items do evolve. Languages evolved. Human beings evolved. Different kinds of dogs evolved. But that was all within the species, and there's no evolving between species. I think that's a great distinction, as well said. Well, thank you for finding these surveys. Uh, try and find surveys that have proper questions. <laughs> Next time. I thought it was a great way to take a look at it. No, you you did a good job here. And uh, available next Thursday? Oh, yeah. Okay. That is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. I'm Tom Baker. You just finished listening to Law and Gospel, where we're showing that many surveys about evolution forget about the macro and the micro. Maybe you didn't understand this. The next a broadcast is Open Mic Friday tomorrow, where you can call me and ask any theological question on your mind. I'm Tom Baker. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.